You know, not too long ago, I was on sabbatical. When I was on sabbatical, one of the things I chose to do was to do some spiritual disciplines differently. Like I wanted my sabbatical time with the Lord to stand out a little bit from my kind of normal daily routines with the Lord. So I thought, man, I want to have a spiritual practice or discipline that I don't normally do. So I journaled. Now, some of you are thinking, but he's a pastor. Doesn't he have to journal? Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, there are practices that resonate differently with different people. Journaling has never really clicked for me, so I've not been a journaler. Now, the exception to that is uh, throughout the years, I would have times where I'd be really just bound up and bottled up, and I, I just couldn't make sense, and stuff's going on, and, I'm fr- and I would have to write it out. Now, let me explain. When I say write it out, don't picture like a leather-bound notebook with, uh-uh, Pastor Rick, he types, right? So I would get out my laptop, and I would write a letter, a journal entry to the Lord in a Word file, save it, maybe wouldn't do another one for a year later, a year later, whatever. Now, some of them were very uh, personal and private, and so I would password protect them, and they'd be saved on my laptop, and Anyway, all those were buried on my laptop. When I came to sabbatical time, now, if you know me, you know I'm organized. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to organize that crap, right? So first thing I'm going to do before I start journaling on my sabbatical, I spent several hours finding these various Word files and kind of pulling them into one Word file with dated entries, and now I'm ready to go, and I can journal. But I had a problem. I couldn't remember the passwords. <laughs> Kid you not. I spent hours. I mean, just trying, well, maybe I capitalized this and, you know, maybe I put it in, and okay, you know how they warn you, like some of those surveys on social media to figure out your personality type and like, hey, be careful. They're asking you questions to try to figure out your background, to figure out your password. I was filling those out, trying to figure out my own password. Like me, <laughs> yeah, oh, couldn't figure it out. I had to just delete several files, which means I couldn't get in. That's a reality. There are times where if you don't have the right, you don't have the password, you don't have the ownership, you don't have the membership, you can't get into something. There's places like that, like uh, Costco, right? If you're not a member, you don't get in. There's other things where you need passwords like your social media accounts or your online bank accounts. Praise God. Like, not everybody can get in there. You got to have the password. Country clubs where you have to be a member in order to gain access. And so as we turn toward a psalm today, one of the questions is like, how do you get into the most important place of all? You're thinking an Ohio State football game. I understand. But even more important than that, how do you get in to the very presence of God himself? That's the question. How do you get in there? So we're, we're going to get to that in just a second. But uh, we all will be in a psalm. That's because on these bonus Sundays, you know, that's our habit. We jump back into a psalm. This is our 15th time doing a bonus Sunday. So we will be in psalm. Oh, you guys are so sharp. Those are my people. Okay, so we're going to be in psalm 15. I want you to put on your listening ears. Don't miss this. Listen to this. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, and whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, 
who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. And that's it. It's a shorter psalm. And what we're going to see there, we're going to look at four things. The psalm has a desire, and then with the desire comes a question. Then most of the psalm is actually answering that question. And then finally, we'll talk about the kingdom life. So that's what we're going to do. Let's dive into it and talk about the desire. The desire expressed in the psalm is what I mentioned earlier, to be in the very presence of God, to be near him, to be acceptable to him, to be with him. The psalm expressed it by talking about sojourning, which is a weird word. Everybody say sojourn. Doesn't it feel weird in your mouth? Like sojourn. It's just a weird word, right? But what it means is to dwell as an, as an alien or as a foreigner, as a guest, which means we don't actually belong. We're not naturally supposed to be there, but somehow we're welcomed in. We're resident aliens. That's why the Old Testament talks a lot about how to treat the foreigner or the alien who sojourns in your land. It's really important. Why? Because at best, at best with God, we're resident aliens. We don't actually belong there. So he talks about sojourning. And he says, I'm gonna, I want to sojourn in his tent. Is God camping? What's with the tent? What's going on there? Well, it's a reference to the tabernacle, okay? You might think of temple, okay? The, the temple was where the manifest presence of God was on earth. Like, he's everywhere present, but right there was a special, unique, extra sense of his presence. Now, before the temple was built by Solomon, prior to that, it was a movable temple called a tabernacle or a big tent, it was a tent. That's what he's referring to. And that's the way it was from Moses until the time of David. And then David's son Solomon built the temple. So he's saying, I want to be wherever God like really is. I just need to get near him. I need to be with him. And he says even to dwell on his holy hill. That's Zion, the city of David. Again, I just want to be where God is. Which makes sense. And here's why. God is either true or he's not. Those are your options, people. If God is not true, who cares about being near him? He doesn't exist. It's all bull crap. What are you even doing here? Christianity's garbage, throw it out, leave. That's not true. Unless, unless God is true. And if God is true, that means he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is nothing better than being with God, being near God. He is amazing. He's beautiful. I just want to be near him and be connected to him, be in relationship with him. That's my highest desire. And that's what's being expressed in Psalm 15. That's the desire. Now, the desire was expressed with a question. The question is, what's the password? (laughs) Like, who gets in? How do you get in? Who gets that? What's the password? And then, as I told you, most of the psalm is, and you can see it here, the two through five, most of it is answering that question about who gets in. And if you look over it, the answer is simply this. Who gets in? Nobody. But Jesus. 
Look at the first four words. He who walks blamelessly. Raise your hand if that describes you. No, I tapped out. You did too. Like that doesn't describe us, right? Nobody qualifies except Jesus himself. He's the only one who walked blamelessly, who met this standard. He's the only one who actually belongs in the presence of God. He's not a foreigner there. He's not an alien. He's not sojourning. He naturally belongs there in part because he is God himself. So yeah, he belongs there. Now for me, maybe, maybe I get one or two of these qualifications. Probably then, not even perfectly. Let's say for the sake of argument, I get one or two. The problem is you got to get all of them. This isn't horseshoes and this isn't hand grenades. You can't get close. Almost. Kind, no. You got about a thousand. You got to walk blamelessly. That's perfectly. I don't qualify. So the only way then I could possibly get into the presence of God is that Jesus went to the cross paid the penalty for my blamefulness, for all my sin and filth. And, and not only did Jesus walk blamelessly himself, but then what happens once I put my faith in Christ and get adopted as a, a child of God, what he does is he takes the righteousness of Jesus off him like a robe and he cloaks me in it. And now, though I know the truth, <laughs> that I, I'm not a natural there. But God sees me robed in the righteousness of Jesus. He sees me as blameless. That's how I get in. All right, so who gets in? Jesus and those in Jesus. That's who gets in. We are aliens. We sojourn. We don't belong. And yet, because of Jesus' gracious hospitality, he welcomes us in. We're resident aliens. Now, that was made clear to me on one family vacation. We were in Virginia Beach, great beach, great town. We took a day where we went over to Norfolk to the naval base there. And we got on the base. And the reason we got on the base is because we knew someone uh, who could get us on the base. We not only got that, we got on an active destroyer and we got to tour this active destroyer. It was so cool. So they didn't let me shoot the deck gun. I'm still upset, but... But it was really, really, really cool. If you try to go on a naval destroyer, on the gang, gangway there, uh, there were uh, seamen with, with rifles. You try to sneak on, they'll shoot you. You don't belong there. How'd I get on? I didn't belong there. I was with someone who belonged there. He got me in, all right? And that's what happens with Jesus. The presence of God, that's our highest value. That's what we need most but we don't belong there, but Jesus does, and he gets us in. That's what he's done for me. Now, that's the desire. The desire is to be in the very presence of God. And then the question is, who gets that? And the answer is Jesus. And those who are in Jesus, Jesus gets them in. But as I told you, then we talk about the kingdom life. Now, here's how we get there. So Jesus gets me in, and then I can do whatever I want. Does that, does that sound right? I got onto the destroyer. They still didn't let me shoot the deck gun. <laughs> I couldn't do whatever I wanted, right? 
That's not the way it works. See, the desire is to be near God, to be with God, to be connected to God, to be like God. Uh, God made it clear to me many years ago, one, this kind of issue, when I went to a park and I saw two different kinds of dogs with their owners. Uh, one dog, it doesn't matter if the owner gives two feet of leash or 20 feet, that dog is right there just wants to be near the master, near the alpha, just doesn't matter. And you know the other kind of dog, right? Because most of you are like, the other kind is my dog, right? Doesn't matter how much leash you give that dog, that dog is going to be at the extent of the leash and pulling, right? And so for a lot of us, that's how we approach God. We just want some tenuous connection to God. We don't want to be near him. We don't want to be like him. We're at the extent of the leash. And actually what we're seeing in the psalm, no, 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 you want to be right next to the master. Not running away from him, but running to him. And the goal becomes not how far from God can I get, but how near to God can I get. That's Psalm 15. So one of the things that occurred to me on sabbatical is that I have a wrong view of this phrase. Be holy because I am holy. You've probably heard that before. God said it. It's in the scriptures several times in Leviticus. Uh, twice in First Peter, God says, be holy because I am holy. And I receive that as a threat. Because after all, what God's saying is, he is perfect holiness. And if you want to be in his presence, you better be perfectly holy too. Be holy because I'm holy. And the problem I have is I know I'm not. And I know I never will be. And so I'm out. And that phrase is entirely threatening to me. But what if? What if that phrase is not a threat, but an invitation? Let me tell you about your God. He is not only holy, which is a great way to describe him. He's good, loving, kind, truthful, faithful, merciful, wise, peaceful, joyful, and creative. As the creator, he's the one that made laughter and sunsets. That's our God. He's amazing. You get more of a peek of him in Galatians chapter 5 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Here's a list of those. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are listed there as the fruit that the Spirit of God produces in those who walk near him. But it's his fruit, so it's actually him producing himself in our lives, meaning that describes our God. That's what our God's like. And his kingdom? (laughs) His kingdom is amazing. Here's Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's the kingdom. That describes the kingdom of God. Now, so you got a descriptor. I'm trying to paint a picture for you of who our God is in in his kingdom. And you roll all that together. And you know what a good word to describe that is? Holiness. Holiness. 
It's not just moral perfection. It is moral perfection, but it is not just moral perfection. It is the sum total of God's goodness and his excellence and his beauty. It's who our God is. This is our God, and that is his kingdom. Now, let me give you option number two. The broken world that we live in. Selfishness, hate, manipulation, lying, torture, rape, theft, bullying, gossip, abuse, racism, oppression, adultery, addiction, genocide. Right about now, holiness sounds really good to me. I don't want option number two. Oh, please, God, can you get me out of option number two? I don't want that anymore. And he says, be holy because I'm holy. What if it's not a threat? What if it's an invitation? What if it is God saying to us, this is who I am. This is my kingdom. Come, be near me, be like me, enjoy the good life. It's not a threat. It's an invitation. Now look at Psalm 15. I'm going to run through this real quick and show you some of the character traits that are in here. And you'll see them bolded and italicized, like up at the top right, does what is right. Does what is right. That means one who is, does the pure, wholesome, good, godly, holy thing. I, I want that. I, I want to do that. One who speaks truth. A person that says what he means and means what he says. I want that to describe me. And it says truth in his heart, which means integrity of heart. So you're not two-faced, you're one person. Who you are on the outside is who you are on the inside and vice versa. That is integrity. And God, can that please describe me? I want in on that. One who doesn't slander which means you don't gossip. Gossip is one of those respectable sins that we allow and it tears churches apart. I don't want to be a slander. I don't want to be a gossip. One who doesn't hurt his neighbors or his friends. Now, that includes social media. Right? We don't, so this would be one, this would be a, a woman who is trustworthy and loyal and reliable and approachable. I want to be like that. One who despises vileness and evil. And what that means is I, I love God, I love his holiness, I love his goodness, I love his kingdom. And I love him so much that I don't love the filth anymore. And what makes God wretch is what makes me wretch. I want that. I want in. One that honors the fear of the Lord. Now what this means is that those who honor God become quickly my closest friends and family, even if they're strangers. They honor God, they're my people way more so than my best earthly friend. If that person is not honoring the Lord, I confront and I convict. I don't side with him against somebody else or against the church. What that means is you need to be ride or die, people. But listen, ride or die with God. 
We're supposed to be ride or die with God. I honor the fear of the Lord. Then one who follows through on his word, even when it hurts. That means uh, you'd have a reputation of character and integrity and follow through. Even we know once you give your word, your word is your bond. And even if it's going to hurt you, you'll still follow through. I want that. And then it talks about being generous and compassionate. And you don't see that right away because it talks about lending money at interest. So let me explain what happened in their culture back then. What would happen is drought would come or some hardship calamity and the poorer farmers were hurt worse because they didn't have the reserves than to go buy seed. And if you can't buy seed, you can't plant, you can't feed your family. So you would be forced to borrow money to buy seed to continue to live. Okay. Problem was that they would lend at such high interest rates that the debt was crushing and they would be buried under it. And the only way out in their culture, you would sell either yourself or your children into slavery. See, this was a predatory lending practice that targeted the poor and the vulnerable. I don't want to be that. I want to be one who is compelled with compassion that helps out the poor and the vulnerable. I want to be generous and compassionate. And then there's one last one in there. One who lives and loves justice. You won't take a bribe. A bribe is when somebody gives me some sort of advantage or something of value, even though it's not right. Even though it perverts justice. But I want to be one who cares more that justice is done than my own advancement. Even if that's a, not a bribe, but maybe a raise or a promotion or some sort of advancement. If it's not fair, if it's not right, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. I love justice. Because God is just. Now, as you look over those and hear those, don't you want that to describe you? I mean, do you want option number two? Right? No, we want that life. I want the kingdom life. By the way, that's what Jesus is like. And as we get near him, we're going to be like him. And there he is inviting us in. Come on in. Be holy because I'm holy. Come on. Let's do this together. Now, another angle to Psalm 15 is this. Some scholars refer to it as the anti-hypocrisy psalm. Here's how they get there. Remember that the Psalms were like an ancient worship manual for Israel, okay? And you get to Psalm 15, and what Psalm 15 is saying is, listen, don't stand in the assembly for worship and act like everything's fine when your life looks nothing like the kingdom of God. And there's so much Christian hypocrisy and it's so sickening and so damaging to the ministry of Christ and that I rejoice in this Thank God there's an anti-hypocrisy psalm. But caution, because there's kind of a two-edged sword here. You don't clean yourself up to go to God. You go to God to get cleaned up, right? So, so church is a hospital, not a country club. With a hospital, what happens is you are broken and bleeding and you go a mess and they clean you up, they fix you up. That's a hospital. A country club, you better clean yourself up first or you don't get in. And church is supposed to be a hospital, not a country club. 
so here's this two-edged sword. On the one hand, what it's saying is anti-hypocrisy, and I go, thank God for that, but then what that means is none of us belong here because none of us are blameless. We're all a mess. Well, crap. So listen, we all come, and we all come messy, and that is okay. And we can come because of the grace of Jesus Christ, the fact that he is perfectly righteous, and I'm robed in his righteousness. I don't earn my own way in. He got me, and I'm in because I'm with him. That's okay. That's how I come. But then next, don't miss this part. In our mess, we don't wink at unholiness. We don't paper over it with some thin veneer of Christian religion. No, no. We want to be like God. We want to be near him. We want his holiness, his kingdom. Now, granted, it's progress, not perfection. And I will not be perfect until God comes back and takes me home in glory. But in the meantime, I want there to be progress. Progress in embracing and enjoying the good life, the holy life, the non-option number two life. I want that. Are Are you getting a feel for this psalm? That's what it's saying. Now, it's an invitation, not a threat. I want to sojourn in the tent of my God. I want to dwell on his holy hill. I want to be in his presence. I don't want to be at a dog at the end of the leash. I want to be right near my master. I want to just be near him and like him. I want his kingdom. I want that holy life. And God says, come. Come, my daughter. Come, my son. Come. Join in my life. Join in my kingdom. Let's do this together. Be holy because I am holy. That means that, listen, these are not some random hoops that I jump through in order to earn favor with God as if somehow I'm going to earn my way in by my righteousness. No, it doesn't work like that. I don't belong. I only get in if I go in with Jesus. He belongs. His righteousness. Jesus did it for me. He gets me in. But then, I'm still not doing these things, trying to earn favor with God so that he gives me the good stuff. Listen, listen. God is the good stuff. His kingdom is the good stuff. Being near him is the good life. Being like him is the good life. And so God is saying, welcome to the kingdom, my child. Welcome. See, God is there. Jesus gets you in. Now what I want you to do is I want you to enjoy the good life, the kingdom life. In fact, let me pray for that. Father, we come to you right now, admittedly, as foreigners. We were nowhere even near blameless. It's not like we even got close. And we just do not belong in your presence. And yet, you sent Jesus. And he paid for our filth and he lived the life and we're shrouded in his righteousness. And we get in because we're with him. And I pray if there's anyone here right now that has never yet put their faith in Christ, they would do so right now. Just like 
Antoine and Michelle did and you changed their life, I pray they would do that right now. And then yet for all of us, Lord, we're still, even though we're in, we're like sometimes at the end of that leash, like somehow the filth of option number two in this broken world, like somehow that offers something to us. And Lord, we want to repent. We want to do a 180 right now and run to your side. We just want to be with you, near you, like you. Thank you for the kingdom. Thank you for holiness. Thank you for the invitation to be near you. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen.